0: You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network.
1: You're listening to the Pullbox Podcast the International Graphic Novel Book Club. Here are your hosts, Curtis Finley and Michael Cohen. Hello and welcome back to the Pull Box Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen. And I am your other host, Curtis Finley. And uh, in this episode, we are going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, All-New X-Men, The Trial of Jean Grey um, by a whole list of people artists. Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis wrote it. Uh, and then we've got uh Sarah Pikelli with Stuart Eminen and uh David Marquez. Uh, and then, you know, a bunch of people or no, sorry, additional inks, colorist, letterer, cover art. It's a Marvel comic, so um, lots of credits. Yeah. And then Stuart Eminem pencils a bunch of it and yeah like He does it, the new X Men issues. He does the new X Men, yeah. Um yeah it's all over the place. it's a marvel comic it's so it's impossible with Marvel or DC to be like we're gonna read this trade paperback and it's by one person <laughs> very rarely happens every <laughs> once in a while
0: unless it's like a Darwin n- cook <laughs> mini series yeah or, yeah, like, yeah yeah exactly if but, it's
1: Darwin cook he'll write it and he'll draw it and then we don't have to worry about it that's yeah um, but he'll still have another colorist and a uh, letterer and blah 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 um that's big big comics for you i uh, and that is exactly well, it's what... assembly line comics right? yeah it's, if you yeah. Got to
0: have to do it on a monthly schedule then you have yeah. gotta employ all these people to, yeah. to get it done
1: yeah and and that's that's exactly what this comic is right uh so <laughs> it's funny we're we're coming up on on one year and or sorry on two years Two years, yep, two years yeah, two years. This podcast. And the first podcast that we did, I picked all new X Men volume one, right? Um, so that and then a
0: few months later, we, we did Guardians of the Galaxy, yes. volume one,
1: yeah. So, um, this I, I, it took us so long to get to this one specifically, in part because it took Marvel forever to release this volume in trade paperback. So, I, I, we're, we're months and months after that, but. Um, this only came out last summer, even though uh, this crossover happened well before that. Wow! Um, Why did it take so long? Because they release the hardcover, oh, really? and then want you to buy the hardcover. Yeah. So they they'll both Marvel and DC will do this where they'll release the hardcover of something. And then they'll wait a very long time to release the trade paperback. Right. That's because standard publishing. Yeah. Because, yeah, they want you to buy the hardcover because the yeah. hardcover is another $10. Yeah. Even though it only costs them on the scale that they're producing stuff, maybe a dollar more to produce. Right. Yeah. You but, think so? <laughs> yes. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Not at the level that Yeah. Maybe not, not playing, at the level they're though, printing. Printing thousands and thousands yeah. of books. Um, but yeah i I so what this book does is it brings together our all new x men who are x men out of time um just a quick refresher for everybody they're the x men from uh it's unclear, but I guess the nineteen sixties yeah uh that have been brought forward into time to the modern day they don't uh, actually say the sixties but it's they the, do it's, yeah. the, it's they've it's taken them from the yeah.
0: comics from the sixties but yeah. If that were the case, then the current X Men would be like a hundred years old.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, and 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 uh, and then on the other side of it, we've got the relaunch of the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, that <clears throat> started a year before Guardians of the Galaxy the film came out, um, but uh, is is the lineup from the movie? And... Which is
0: why Star Lord has a different outfit.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and they're sort of, they're a little bit more reflective of the versions from the movie. Um, and then for some reason, uh, Angela from the Wildstorm.
0: I thought she was spawn.
1: Is she spawn? Okay. She's a spawn character. Yes, that's right. She's spawn. I don't know why she ends up in Marvel, um, Maybe they bought the rights to her. Maybe they owned the rights to begin with. Well, I, Image
0: was all creator. It's always creator own stuff. Yeah, that was their big thing. It's like okay. we don't own any of these guys. If you choose to leave Image, you can take your characters with you. Okay. So whoever owns Angela, brought her over to Marvel recently.
1: Okay. Um, and they and
0: they've tied her into the Thor universe, right? She's yeah. She has. She, she's
1: yeah. She's. She's maybe not specifically Asgardian, although maybe she is. I do think remember. they, I think they might be playing with the fact that she's his half sister or something like okay. that. Okay. Um, yeah, but she is. She's she is. If she's not an Asgardian, she is similar to an Asgardian. Right. So she kind of plays by the same rules as Thor and Loki and and Odin and all those characters, um, where she's a bit of a god but also mortal in certain respects. So um, she's got
0: that Asgardian attitude.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the the, the older than that, and, yeah, and yeah. I can beat up anything. Yeah, um, so where where this brings those two storylines together is in uh, Jean Grey. It it really the the title of the book is the Trial of Jean Grey, and it focuses around the fact that the galaxy at large, uh, in particular the Shi'ar Empire, has never had anybody to hold accountable. For the right. actions of the Phoenix, not even Jean Grey, but the Phoenix. Right. Jean Grey being sort of the most infamous host of the Phoenix Force. Um, and yeah,
0: but Jean Grey killed herself. Yes. trying to get rid of the phoenix yeah. so there's no one to hold accountable yeah which protection. which
1: by the way if you've read avengers versus <laughs> x-men she didn't the phoenix force comes back and causes all sorts of problems <laughs> oh yeah in that which is a story that that is uh actually just before all new x-men um that that sort of leads to a lot of the oh is of that what right they're now. talking
0: about with the planets being destroyed and everything that's that's because i, I think thought they so. were referring to before but they're referring to this, that this most recent story?
1: No, so in the most recent story in Avengers versus X-Men, which I've always threatened at some point I'm going to make everybody read. Really? Uh, yeah, because I love it, but apparently everybody else hates it. I love it. I think it's a great story. Um, but uh, it basically the Phoenix Force is impending in that story, and okay. so the Avengers, knowing that it's coming for um, hope, who is the first mutant born after the events of House of M. Which goes about, God, like, these comics are so, so complicated. Um, you can understand why they do these hard, soft resets and hard resets every so often. Um, so in the events of House of M, Wanda Maximoff uses her ability to alter reality to basically wipe out most of the mutants. Um, and no new mutants are created after that. So it's basically just the X-Men and a handful of other mutants. Hope is the first... X, the first mutant to be born after the events of that and is the beginning of a new age of mut- mutants of, of human mutation um because of that and because of her weird inexplicable tie to the summers slash gray bloodline that yeah. was unclear but i mean cable <laughs> cable is part of her story and cable is the son of Scott and Jean and from an alternate future (laughs) and oh I'm giving myself a headache the Phoenix force is targeting her because there is no Jean Grey and Hope is the closest thing to a Jean Grey even though Rachel Rachel Summers Summers? is currently a member of the X-Men and calls herself Phoenix but for some reason it's targeting Hope she
0: even changed her name to Rachel Grey didn't she? Yeah. yeah
1: um and and in any case I, the phoenix force is after her <laughs> the avengers know this because beast is a member of the avengers and tells the avengers this is about to happen the world the earth is in peril the, beast the phoenix is a of the avengers. yeah oh. well many of the x-men are members of the avengers at one point or another most I, notably yeah. beast and wolverine well, i know wolverine he's in every every yeah. team uh, well, at one point beast was a member of the Avengers and he was like, I knew that like back in the, he was like their, their dude. Like he was there, he was like their Tony Stark at the time. Cause Tony Stark wasn't a member of the team at the time. Yeah. Um, so he was there like building their jets and outfits yeah, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Um, which is what most people would assume Tony Stark is up to. I, <laughs> I, so beast goes to them and says like, this is about to happen. We need to protect the earth which causes a schism within the X-Men and puts some of the Avengers on the side against the X-Men. Uh, all of that happens, breaks the X-Men into two fractions. The, the side that is with Beast and Wolverine and that we've talked about in all new X-Men and, uh, and, you know, key pride and, and that whole team that hangs out at uh, what Wolverine renames the Jean Grey school for gifted youngsters. Uh, and then Scott Summers and his group of mostly bad guys so I wonder who's on the right side and who's on the wrong side <laughs> he takes his group of X-Men to San Francisco well I mean they're in San Francisco at that point um, they splinter and he has his group and they become the uncanny X-Men who are kind of really more the brotherhood of mutants under a different name and under the leadership of I mean Magneto's morally part of good that and team bad. Yeah.
0: Um, morally ambiguous I mean. yeah,
1: yeah. I so that's what brings these uh, these X Men to to present day is Beast thinking that in order to fix the problem with the X Men, he needs to remind all of the X Men what it means to be an X Man, in particular Scott Summers. And What better way to remind them than yeah, the uh, altruistic by bringing yeah, yeah, the, the, the original five members? Um, this then, as soon as Jason of Spartax. So here's the connection to Guardians of the Galaxy. As soon as he finds out, he uses this information to... uh, Because in the Guardians book, uh, uh, a secret cabal of high-powered galactic leaders. So the Brood Queen and Jason of Spartax. The Kree Supreme Intelligence. Yeah, and the Kree Supreme... Like all these uh, uh, highfalutin... Space people say Earth is off limits. Anytime anybody touches Earth, it causes problems. (laughs) So (laughs) So just Earth is off limits. It's this weird nexus of conflict for the galaxy. When Earthlings get involved, planets die. Um, So Jason is not allowed to do anything. He's not allowed to screw with Earth. In particular, screw with his son, Star-Lord, Peter Quill, Who we know has a soft spot for Earth, right? So in order to screw with Earth, what he basically does is he uses information that he has at his disposal to point the Shi'ar Empire as well as other wronged uh, galactic civilizations in the direction of Earth and say, like, guess what? The Phoenix is, is alive again. Jean Grey is there, and she's the one who killed all your people. So... You can put her on trial uh, and he sets into motion the the events of this book where uh, aliens show up they abduct Jean gray and so the x-men call on the guardians of the galaxy um, to help them rescue Jean gray they don't I don't think they don't call
0: them they they find out about it yeah that's right through somebody else and then they head to earth themselves yeah. And find that um, Jean Grey's Albert and been kidnapped. Yeah. And then, um, to make it even more confusing,
1: uh, halfway through the book, the Starjammers also show up Yes, they do. And I love the starjammers because they don't realize it's not still 1992. Um, especially especially. And this this is one of my favorite things to come out of this book. It's funny they, we didn't mention at the beginning of this episode. This is the reader poll and it was suggested by Matthew Campbell, right. Uh, who's a good friend of the podcast and, and one of my friends. And we've been going back and forth talking about all new X-Men and Guardians of the Galaxy. And, you know, it culminates in this. But the best piece of this, and if I was going to actually pick a book to continue in this line, maybe we'll read it at some point, uh, would be Cyclops Volume 1. Because the the fallout from this book... And this, this, I say this all the time, and I've said it in reference to the movies, and I say it in reference to the comics. The event is not what's interesting to me. It's the fallout from the event right. that ends up being the best story to tell. And the fallout from this event is Cyclops, young Cyclops, has an opportunity to reconnect with his father. Now his father is still older, uh, inexplicably still <laughs> yeah. in his... Forties, even yeah. though at this point in time, Cyclops, Cyclops is, is in his forties. Well. <laughs> um, they kind of play him that way in in the current comics. Although I don't know because this is Marvel now, and now we're on to post Secret War, and I don't post Secret Wars. This now it's all new Marvel. Or all something? new Marvel, yeah. And I don't know. I'm not reading the X Men books, but let's just terrible. stay in this. But yeah, with this within book here. this, yeah. yeah um, so he has an opportunity to reconnect with his with his son and and vice versa and so the cyclops standalone book is cyclops and um and the star jammers and the star jammers and, and what's his father corsair i corsair. Uh, and they're basically like it's a father son story kicking around the galaxy cool and it's so good it's it's really really well done it's a really cool story well and i um, like his,
0: his reasoning at the very end um yeah. for leaving is that he like at, at one point i think the phoenix or somebody has shown marvel girl uh her entire future yeah so marvel girl knows everything that's going to happen to her like she knows that she eventually marries yeah. um, scott and has these kids but then everything yeah. goes wrong and she dies a couple times and she knows all of this and so Cyclops' reasoning is look we know that when we get together everything is going to turn out terribly yeah so why don't we not get together yeah And maybe we'll actually be happy.
1: Yeah. And, 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 um, Corsair is, is particularly, uh, keen on it because when he sort of finds out what has happened to Scott in, in the last few years, the adult Scott we're talking about, not teenage Scott, he feels guilty because he's been cruising around the galaxy and he, he didn't meet his son until his son was an adult. Yeah. Right. Like he, like he's, he abandoned him or not abandoned him. Cause he was abducted by aliens, but um, left it like they were separated when he was a child. And then he, he grew up under the tutelage of Xavier. Charles Xavier yeah. um, and was already a fully formed adult man by the time that the Corsair interacted with him again. And there was a lot of hurt feelings there. Whereas this Scott, because he's younger, sees an opportunity to reconnect with his dad. So Corsair figures, that he if he intervenes he might be able to stop his son from becoming a villain, basically. So like there's which which is which wasn't Beast's intent. Beast's intent was to bring them forward to fix the current time. But really what's ended up happening ended up happening is that these the 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 past X Men have been brought forward and are now getting the opportunity to not make the same mistakes. Yeah. Now of course they get to make whole new ones because (laughs) it's comics but um but yeah like that that outcome is one of the best things to come out of this book which is otherwise in my opinion a bit of a letdown
0: yeah so um going back to kind of the beginning here yeah um you you gave us a great history of the past like yeah. ten years of X Men. Yeah. You don't actually need to know any of that you don't. to get into this book. It's um they set it up well enough that um they introduce you to yeah. the characters and and they introduce you to the story yeah. and the plot and it's fine. You can jump yeah. into it without knowing all that. And
1: stuff. and thankfully, like the Guardians need to be given the cliff notes of what's going on, right? In yeah, order right. for them to understand. So yeah. if you're coming in just as a Guardians reader. Like, Kitty Pride will get you up to date with what you need to know. And if you're an X-Men reader, uh, they basically do a similar thing. Although, the Guardians comics, since the relaunch, don't have a through line. So right. It, it's it's yeah. not, not consequential. Consequent. Uh, uh, other than Peter Quill and Thanos and there's some stuff going on there. But, but they don't even
0: mention that in this book. No, so it doesn't it's matter. not
1: even important. So.
0: Right. And yeah. they do that on purpose so that it can yeah. stand apart yeah. from the whole series. Um, yeah. Um, although, yeah, like you said, there's Fallout on the X-Men side, but not really the Guardian yeah. side.
1: Yeah, this uh, th- this book is really about bringing those two teams together, crossing them over for one big adventure, which it's no different. Like I, I alluded to earlier with the Marvel movies, you know, they have their individual stories and then the teams all come together. Like Avengers Infinity War is going to be nonsense. It's going to be nonsense, and people should prepare themselves for it now. It'll have a decent story in order to bring Thanos to Earth, in order to destroy the Avengers, but really, at the end of the day, that's not why we're buying tickets to that (laughs) movie. We buy tickets to that movie because we want to see the Guardians of the Galaxy and the Avengers fight Thanos and Loki. and so it's it's got to yeah. be like all the characters. Like we want to see the Hulk and Groot on screen at the same time, right? Like that's what we want to see and that's yeah. what we're going to get and that's what this book is. It's, you know, like how will will Drax and Scott Summers interact with each other? Well, you know, you get that the questions are answered in here, right? Yeah. Well, um, and that being
0: said, there are so many characters in this book that yeah. Each of them is not really given appropriate screen time, uh, or page time, or whatever you want to call it. Here, yeah. the story really is about the X Men, so they are the focus. Yes. Um, in particular, Scott and and Jean. Yeah. Even the kind of Iceman and, and Angel are not really focused a whole lot in no. on this one, but
1: um, yeah, I mean, Beast Beast only really is important because Beast is in love with Jean. Yeah. And so there's if Scott leaves, there's an opportunity for. Hank and Gene to be a thing, even though Gene has absolutely no interest. They're, because they're teenagers, it, we end up talking about this very much like it's a CW drama. Because um, yeah. there's a lot of that in there.
0: Yeah. Uh, and because of that, um, all of the Guardians, except for, except for Peter Quill, are yeah. kind of pushed to the back. They get their funny yeah. lines here and there, but they're really not important they're really and just heavy artillery same to with back all up of the, the star fight. jammers like yeah. you corsair has a few lines but the rest of them i don't even think they mentioned their names in, yeah so like, yeah uh why even bother bringing all of them in there yeah <laughs>
1: yeah it, yeah it does end up being a very very busy book by the end of it um but they are breaking onto a planet and and uh, uh breaking out uh a, a, I, 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 <laughs> a genocidal maniac in the eyes of the people holding her. Yeah. Right.
0: Well, and it is an interesting concept. It's like Jean Grey yeah. is the person who's who's um, who who's responsible. Yeah. If you take a DNA test, they are the same person. Yeah. So she should be held accountable for her yeah. crimes. Right. But then time travel...
1: It's not that Jean Grey. <laughs> yeah. This Jean Grey hasn't done anything yet. Right. So, is she guilty for crimes that she may commit in the future? Because, from her perspective, if she does eventually get home, she will carry she, out
0: the rest of her life.
1: And she won't do that stuff. Or is she it, like but knowing she, it?
0: But if she doesn't, if she does go back home and yeah. doesn't do that stuff, then there will be no point to the trial because yeah. she won't have done it.
1: And especially if you kill her, then she can't go back and continue it, but that would create a time paradox that doesn't get explained. Would all those lives come back to life
0: all of a sudden? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, So, yeah, it is a very (laughs) weird trial to get involved in, um, and they do kind of go down that road. But for the most part, it's there to to, um, further the story of Jean Grey.
0: Right, and in fact, the trial isn't really a trial, and they yeah. they barely spend any focus on the trial at all. There's yeah. maybe a couple of pages where they're on she's on trial, but because this is an action comic book, we don't want to be stuck in a courtroom the the entire time. Yeah. So it's basically a bunch of fighting their way out of there. Yeah. Um,
1: Very big explosion, which I would have
0: loved to read more about the the moral implications of what they're doing and bringing yeah. in witnesses and lawyers to argue that kind of stuff. I Space think that lawyers. would be interesting, yeah. but they're they're not going to put that in a Marvel comic. No. <laughs> no.
1: But uh yeah, I I think um the Phoenix is one of those things where uh, I it, it sort of lives in comic infamy um as being one of the biggest uh it's certainly I think it's the biggest event for the X-Men themselves. Um it it really kind of defines them as yeah. As a as a team, especially like that team of X Men, the the one of you know sort of that nineteen ninety two animated series team that most people think of um, is really and this is before that, but it really defines them. And then in nineteen ninety two, they get reimagined by uh, by Jim Lee. Um, And who who wrote that? Which one? When they when they no no when they did the relaunch, when Jim Lee like I think so yeah. yeah. Well, okay, um, and
0: Chris Claremont did the Phoenix saga right, yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah, So right? kind of he's like he's that's been writing X Men for years. That's
1: the definitive X Men, right? Yeah. Um, and and the Phoenix storyline has been used as fodder for other comic storylines. When we talked about Avengers versus X Men, and then and then we've got the tri- Trial of Jean Grey. It's been used as comics fodder ever since then because yeah. it is considered well, such a seminal point. And any time they comics. want
0: to bring the X Men to outer space, yeah it always has to involve the Phoenix in some, in some way. Yeah.
1: Um, I yeah. So, and, and it's a, this, this, I feel like actually, I feel like Avengers versus X-Men as well. They are, they're great legacy pieces for the Phoenix saga. Like, I uh, there are a lot of really cool stories throughout comics. Um, but it's the ones that have, that leave a lasting mark, even through reboots and soft reboots hard reboots whatever like i secret war the phoenix saga i they they leave indelible marks on the characters that are involved not necessarily all of them but i mean like secret war spider-man is irreversibly changed from from the events of that because that's where he gets the black costume right that's where the symbiote suit comes from and the symbiote ends up being this thing that really defines the character in later years i mean venom being that that and eddie brock being that perfect foil for peter parker and spider-man um and then spawning more characters like carnage and and uh, anti Venom and now yeah, yeah and yeah. Flash Thompson is now Venom hanging out with the Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> I mean, like it has all these knock on effects. And the Phoenix Saga for the X Men is the same thing. Where like yeah. if not for the Phoenix Saga, I the end of X Men Two X Men United would not exist, and it wouldn't have like the, that movie wouldn't have an ending. It would be a totally different movie, and X Men Three would be a much better movie, I think, uh, in yeah, retrospect. Talk, yeah, they did not really do Phoenix Justice. No, they in that don't movie do Phoenix Justice in that movie. So, um, there are, and I say that to say that there are, there are stories that have used that, that storyline um, and that legacy to tell interesting, cool stories. And then there are other ones that have used it to make bland, boring stories slightly more interesting. Or at <laughs> least try. Uh, X-Men 3, is one of those stories that's yeah. like it's bland. So they go, well, just throw some extra s- spice in there, and with the Phoenix, and it doesn't really fix the movie. No, kind of makes it worse. But um, this is one of those stories that only exists because of the Phoenix saga, and is a and is a really great legacy of it. It, it enhances the all new X Men storyline. It makes you think about the consequences of the Phoenix saga. Uh, on a galactic scale and what that means for the larger Marvel universe. Like yeah. it's, it is, it is a really cool story in that respect. Yeah. But like you say, it, 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 doesn't focus enough on that part of the story. Right.
0: Another thing that it does is it, um, it introduces a new element to the character of Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. Um, they give her some new powers. Yes. Um, in like the typical 1960s, Jean Grey was only telekinetic. Yeah, um, she didn't get her telepathy till later on and so when she was brought to this timeline then I guess she was taught to use her telepathy or that she had this, this other power or something yeah. like that so she's been learning that and then but Jean Grey in the 60s never had a really traumatic moment that forced herself to push herself like yeah. she has since she's come to this timeline so yeah. this Jean Grey now all of a sudden has developed this they explain it as like combining the telep- the telepathy and the telekinesis together to yeah. create some sort of mega power or something like that. So, essentially making her as strong as she was when she had the phoenix. Yeah. But without phoenix. Yeah. So, um, that yeah, and that'll that'll play big into the future I'm sure. Yeah. There's the- a,
1: there's an interesting thing with the X-Men uh, where some of them <laughs> are Wolverine, let's say. Who, yeah, Wolverine can't be killed. Uh, he's got his healing factor, and even if he's melted away to his bones, he'll come back from that. It'll just take him a while. Um, that happens in Civil War, by the way. That also uh, happened um, when the Jean
0: Grey died the second time. Did it? Because he and Jean Grey flew into the sun, and okay. she died, and he came back a skeleton. And there was one little atom that was left, and it regenerated. And it regenerated from that.
1: From that. <laughs> um, but, uh, but Wolverine can only really affect things on a minor scale, on right. a personal scale, yeah. right? But then there are characters like Jean Grey and Magneto, and surprisingly, uh, Iceman, who uh, I, have, like, god-tier powers, right? I mean, like, Wanda Maximoff can alter reality yeah. to the point where she creates a completely separate reality from the regular Marvel continuity during the House of M storyline so um there are some of these mutants that uh and they 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 talk about that sort of thing in this uh that like the rest of the galaxy there are incredibly powerful beings out there in in space that that want nothing to do with earth or like thanos want to conquer earth um and they're sort of inexplicably powerful but very few of them are powerful on the level that some of these mutants are and so the galaxy at large is more or less afraid of human beings yeah. because, like, they just—they well, never know what's going to happen. They're they're yeah. they they sort of refer to it in sort of like an atomic bomb analogy of like these humans have all of this power, but they don't have the maturity of of their species in order to wield that power, and so we end up with the Phoenix Force inhabiting a child and destroying entire galaxies right like like it's it's uh it, it's ridiculous but it's one of those things where because we are the human beings writing these stories we center them around ourselves <laughs> and so when a real good science fiction mind thinks about it the rest of the galaxy is like why does everything happen to earth and yeah and and the explanation in this is because earth is a bunch of children not with handguns but with nuclear bombs and so like of course bad things are going to happen you you're, yep. you're 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 just asking for trouble so um <laughs> uh and and in their minds a lot of them a, a human life even a mutant human life is not worth very much so you know uh if it if it's a symbolic gesture of closure for entire planets that were lost in the shiar empire then <laughs> it doesn't really matter to them no right? But uh yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. I think we've covered everything. Yeah, we could uh we can comment
0: on the art for just a second here. Sure. Um I uh, I do I do like both of these artists. They have yeah. a little bit of a different style, but they both work well together, I found. My 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 problem with a lot of Marvel comics these days is the double page spreads. Yeah because I never know if they're double page spreads or not. So I yes. get through reading half of the left side and realize, "Oh, it actually I should have been reading both of these." sides. And S- <laughs> Stuart
1: happens. Stuart Emanin is is notorious for it. He yeah. really likes double page spreads. Right. And, and some of them are fine his layouts,
0: yeah. but then some of them he places the the just the panel divisions in the yeah. in the gutter of the of the book. So I don't know if I'm supposed to carry on um, across both pages or yeah. jump down to the next line of the left side.
1: Yeah. And reading and trade paperback definitely makes that more difficult because the gutter and margin are kind of, cause it's, it cause it's, it's a glue. It there, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a glued, uh, binding. Uh, it gets squished. Right. Uh, but when you're reading it saddle stitched with the right. staples, yeah, that makes a difference. It so. lays flat, right? So you can see everything, but, uh, <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah, it can be. He can be a little bit tough to read every now and then. And reading through all new X Men was definitely, that that experience was definitely there for me because he, he he worked on the majority of that run. Yeah. Um, yeah, and for the most part,
0: it's it's good it, with so many characters. Like there are, yeah. Each team has five or six characters, and there are three teams in this book, so we yeah. have like fifteen or more characters plus all of the she are. There's like ten of them or whatever, and yeah, and it. it I found it just got really really busy.
1: Yeah, it does. It gets it gets kind of out of control towards the end. But one of the things that they do is they they mention that, right? Like they kind of play to the fact that like we have three teams that each on their own manages to do a a ridiculous amount of destruction in their own storylines. You bring them all together. Like how could they possibly be stopped? Yeah. Right. And that's kind of the way that it ends up playing out is that like every time you think that they're in trouble, no, it's all right. This character has something that they can pull out of their sleeves. Yeah. Right. Um, But yeah, I, well, I'd be interested in
0: checking out the Cyclops book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe in the in a future episode. Yeah, that's I think a, we'll save that. For, I for the I just future. like his attitude of um, I really don't like my future self. So how can yeah. I change that? So that'll be an interesting thing to see. Yeah, well, Cyclops in space might just be fun a fun book.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, it it is just a fun book as well. Like it's really good sort of space fantasy, space opera sort good. of sort of reading. Um, but uh, but I think that does it yep. for this episode. I I thank you,
0: Matt, for recommending it. yep yeah.
1: Yep, thanks for the poll.
0: Um, and uh, if you missed it, um, the our previous episode we talked about Here by Richard McGuire, so you'll want to yep. check that out. And then in our next episode, we are going to be tackling another franchise mashup, Sonic
1: the Hedgehog Ooh. and Mega Man. Boy. Yeah, worlds <laughs> collide. The complete epic. Uh, and that it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, let's, and, sorry. sorry yeah, uh,
0: let's quickly run down what we're going to sure. be talking about next month, which is going to be our special... Uh, First Second month to celebrate First Second's 10th anniversary of publishing comics. Um, I'm going to pick the Aurora West comics, um, both the, uh, what is it called, Rise of Aurora West and the Fall of the House of West.
1: Yep. Uh, Cool. And I will be pulling uh, Delilah Dirk and the King Shilling, which is the second volume of Delilah Dirk. We covered the first volume of Delilah Dirk uh, last year and uh and so the the second volume comes out in march so i so what better time uh i'm gonna be reading it anyways so uh we'll pull double duty and also uh cover it on the podcast perfect
0: and then our reader poll actually comes from first second themselves we asked them what they would like us to read for uh, this episode and they said um the nameless city by faith aaron hicks which comes out first week in april so you'll want to check that one out too
1: awesome uh, well that's it so thank you guys for listening and uh, we'll, we'll catch you on the next episode Yep, keep reading comics for more Pullbox
0: Podcast episodes you can check out pullboxpodcast.com to submit a reader poll uh, you can email thepullboxpodcast at gmail.com you can also find us at twitter and on instagram at pullboxpodcast
1: follow me Curtis on Instagram at CurtisBidley. and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at arkwulf. A-R-K-W-U-L-F. Uh, you can you can also find all of our other great podcasts over at thunderquack.com and uh, uh, that's the home of the Thunderquack Podcast Network of which we are proudly a part and uh, and if you want to help support all of our podcasts at Thunderquack you can do that by heading to patreon.com/thunderquack and, uh, and, and you, can, you can pledge your support over there. Every dollar helps, but uh, if you're a Pullbox fan and supporter, then you'd definitely be interested in the $20 level, which allows you to get all three episodes of the Pullbox podcast, all three of our books, as one long, super long episode uh, right at the beginning of the month as opposed to having to wait for the individual episodes to be released. So you can find all that at patreon.com slash and all of our other podcasts at thunderquack.com.